Praise the Lord. We're glad you're here today. Before you're seated, let's make our confession. If you're visiting, we make this confession every time we meet. For this reason, a lot of people don't know what they should be saying, so we're helping people know. Hallelujah. How many of you don't always know what you should be saying? Just say the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, just say the word. The word has power by itself to change every circumstance. So let's say this. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. You can be seated. God is good. Praise the Lord. We're glad you're here today, those of you that are visiting us. And I'm trying a little new thing here today. So if things suddenly go crazy, I'll just pick up a mic, okay? But I've decided I like my hands free. And I forgot we had this thing. And I thought, I am going to try this thing. How, how many of you know new things aren't always the same? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of wires running all over me. So if I light up, something's plugged into the wrong socket. Hallelujah. <laughs> But that'd be a new thing, wouldn't it? That'd draw a crowd. Hallelujah. Uh, We're going to look at, uh, this is our third uh, teaching on this word that God gave me when I was traveling overseas just in in this last month. If you're visiting, I was overseas for about three weeks and uh, in Hawaii, in um, the Philippines, and also in Australia. And uh, God is moving all over the earth. I love this song that we just sang because it's in Jesus' name that people have victory. There is no other name above that name, and it is the only name, the only name that can deliver people from the bondages and the things that are going on in the world. We don't need another war. We need to win the battle that God already won on Calvary in the earth. We need to overcome and take over the places where the enemy has taken people hostage. So uh, this word is disaster relief. I heard it. Uh, on my way into uh, Sydney, and um, it was uh, the lady I was traveling with, I felt like God said, you are taking spiritual disaster relief into the nations. You know, um, in other parts of the world, there are a lot more natural disasters in some places than others. And, uh, of course, when I got to the Philippines, they had just experienced that uh, earthquake that was in Nepal. That's very close when you're in the Philippines to where they, you know, they're in proximity. So it's a little bit different. It's a little more real to them than it is to us over here. But, uh, in fact, this ministry had a ministry in uh, Kathmandu where the earthquake was really severe. So they were actually preparing for disaster relief in the Philippines because they said, we know we're sitting on a fault. Well, you know, uh, disasters happen suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. And, and we don't always know what's going on. I mean, I'm not an archaeologist. I don't understand what's going on under the earth. I, I have a hard time figuring out what's going on in, the, on in the earth. But I do know what heaven says. Everybody say, we know what heaven says. And that's the most important thing. You know, God said that we should pray that there would be heaven on earth. And I believe that's what he's done. He's put people of God in the earth to express heaven on earth to the world. But we know that we live in a world where there are things that happen, and, and they're called oftentimes disasters. And, and those situations are suddenly, they need uh, preparation ahead of time. You know, it's not like you can prepare for it when it happens. Just like us as believers, if you need healing in your body, don't wait till you're sick. to to get healing in your body. Begin in the Word of God to put the Word of God over your life so when things do come against you, you have something in you to fight that force. And um, 
I heard Brother Copeland sharing on, uh, he was at a fire conference up in, I think, Toronto, and we just happened to see it the other night. But he was talking about someone that needed healing. And the Lord told him to go to that person and, and command the anointing that was on the inside of them to rise up and overtake what the devil was trying to put on them. Isn't that amazing? Do you, do you really think about the power of God that's on the inside of you that can be called forth to overtake the thing that is trying to come on you? The devil has no right to us. He has no right. We are God's property. And so in disaster relief spiritually, it's really bringing the truth of the word of God so that the truth of the word of God can begin to help the people meditate on something that has power to change them. And the word has power to change. It doesn't, it's not about knowing the word. It's about living the word. It's not about just knowing a scripture, although we need to know scripture, but it's when it becomes alive in us and we begin to live that word. You know, I can do all things. We sang it this morning through Christ who strengthens me. When that word comes alive in us and we begin to walk like that, then those circumstances and situations have to submit. And so um, I just want to share today. Uh, I'm going to continue where I was last week. Some of you uh, may be visiting. You are today, and so you haven't heard part one and part two. But last week I talked about in Second Chronicles, if you want to turn there, if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you use to look at the Word of God. But uh, in Hezekiah, Hezekiah in the... In the second uh, Chronicles chapter 29, we talked last week about how Hezekiah, when he was attacked by the Syrian army and threatened that, uh, and, and the people were threatened that Hezekiah's God could not save them. Uh, they were in a serious situation because that Assyrian army had taken over many other nations. And so their their word to the children of Israel was their gods couldn't help them. What makes you think your God can't help you? And so we talked about how uh, God proved himself in their midst and they won that battle. They did nothing but God in the night sent an angel into the camp of the Assyrian army and 185,000 of them were gone. And he had given a word to Hezekiah through Isaiah that the, the army would hear that, that they would hear a rumor. Everybody say a rumor. <laughs> and it would cause them to flee and they would not take that city because it was God who was taking care of that city. And I say to you today, God's taking care of you. You know, we have to acknowledge that. We have to walk in an awareness of that. But the word of God is true. Like Pastor Kelly said at the worship time, God is for you. Everybody say that God is for me. And, and that's why I like this song that we just sang. God is fighting for me. He fought for the children of Israel. He fights for his people today. But the people have to acknowledge that he is God. Because God fights for those who acknowledge that he is. You know, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God in Hebrews eleven six. So we have to fight for those things that God has already promised us. We don't, we don't fight in the natural way. We fight with faith. And faith is already excited. You don't have to excite faith. How many of you, when God tells you something, you get really excited about it. And, you know, your faith connects with God. You come out of your prayer closet and there's the enemy. And suddenly your faith doesn't look like so much. 
But we have to hang on to that faith. Why? Because we just believe. Hezekiah believed God. He sought God every time the threats came, and God told him, I'm going to take care of this. And Hezekiah believed it, and God took care of it. And that's a principle that just is the Word of God. So in disasters or things that happen in your life or my life, we have to already be fortified with that knowledge that we walk by faith and not by sight and so when disaster happens whatever that might be for for some people you know it may be different than other people because of where they are in their walk with the lord uh some people are high you know high risk and and so in their lives they're not as fortified in the word of god so you have to be there to pray and intercede for those people but the goal of the lord is that we would know that he is god and that he is our God, and we are his people. It's a covenant that he has established. And when we know that, then when these disasters come, then we're able to be ready or prepared for the disaster. And I went back and looked at Hezekiah, and all the kings, uh, all the different people who took over in the old covenant, you see where, you'll read where it said, this particular king uh, did right in the sight of the Lord, or this particular king did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so they had different kings that came and went, uh, usually sons. It came down through a family line. But one would be faithful to God. The other would not be faithful to God. And uh, we had one, Manassas, which was actually Hezekiah's son. After all he saw his father do, it says he was the most evil of all the kings. So, you know, it wasn't parental training, okay? That's a a release for some of you that are sitting here today. It wasn't parental, you know, example, because Hezekiah was a great king. His son was a mess, a total mess. It said he was the worst king, and he was there the longest, 55 years. Everybody say, no thanks. (laughs) Aren't you glad we only have eight years or four years or two years for some of our elected officials? I'm not comparing anybody to anybody today. But this is what it says about Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 29. Are we ready? Hezekiah became king, and this is why I think he had the victory when he got attacked. When the disaster came to Hezekiah, he, he was already fortified, and this is how. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. You find that all through the uh, the Old Covenant. When people did the right thing, they were compared to David. Because it says that David was a man after God's heart. And that's a good thing for us because he made mistakes, but he was still favored by God. He was still considered an example for others. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house to the Lord and repaired them. In other words, the first thing he did was he went to take care of the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle in the Old Covenant was the place of God's presence. It was where God said, I will be with you. Now, you know, it's different for us. But in the Old Covenant, there was an actual physical place, a tabernacle, sometimes on later the temple. It was called, but it was the place of God's presence. And in Hezekiah's time, there had been so many bad kings and, and there had been good ones, but things had been built up, torn down, built up, torn down, built up, torn down in the, the places where the tabernacle was. And so the people would sometimes love God. Sometimes they wouldn't love God. Sometimes they would. Sometimes they wouldn't. Does it sound familiar? You know, based on circumstances, based on situations, the people were, were real fickle. 
and people are still fickle today. Then he brought in the priest. So he opened the doors, and he repaired the doors, the entrance, and then he brought in the priest and the Levites. Those were the people who took care of the temple. Now, I'm going to go real fast, so hang on and stay with me. These are the people who took care of the temple. They were the ones that carried the temple, uh, the tabernacle in the old covenant in the time of Moses. They'd get it all together. The Levites were people who had no other property except what was given by God to them, and it surrounded the tabernacle. They always were taking care of the temple. They prepared sacrifices. They lit candles. They put the showbread on on the table, in the holy place. I can't explain all that stuff today, but these are the people who take care of God's presence. Everybody say God's presence at the place where he comes. And so he calls them and says to them, hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord your God, and carry out the rubbish. Everybody say carry out the rubbish. Carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Now what what he continued to do was uh, to work with the Levites and the priest first. Everybody say first. Because they were the ones, like I said, that are involved in temple worship, in, in worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, what, what Kelly said this morning, you know, we, we can do a lot of things. We can speak the word. We can, we can act on the word. But there's no greater thing that we can do than to worship God in the midst of the worst circumstances. Why? Because when you worship God, his presence, you know, he's in us, but it says he inhabits our praises. What does that mean? He comes and sits in our presence. So God's first thing for Hezekiah was to fix the temple and fix the people that took care of the temple. And so they repaired the temple. But over in verse 17, it says, now they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came into the vestibule of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. And they went into Hezekiah and said, we have cleansed all the house of the Lord. Then, then what happens is they begin to cleanse themselves. You know, they've taken care of the temple itself. They've gotten the rubbish out. And the title of today's message is, we're on part three of disaster relief, but the title is carry out the rubbish. I believe that's God's word to the church. Carry out the rubbish. And I'm going to talk about what rubbish is in a minute. So they began, they they offered sin offerings. Uh, Of course, the offerings back then were all in animals, you know, the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and all those things. And they, it says they, they brought the sin offering. And then verse 25, it says they, they brought the uh, burnt offering. And then it says in, in verse 25, and he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and stringed instruments and with harps, according to the commandment of David of Gad, the king seer, and of Nathan the prophet. For thus was the command of the Lord by the prophets to bring the singers. Everybody say, bring the singers. Bring the instruments. Bring the worship. Everybody say, worship. worship. Bring the worship. And so it says, then Hezekiah commanded them, in verse 27, offer the burnt offerings on the altar. And, and when the burnt offering began, in other words, that would be the fire to burn, you know, the sacrifice. The song of the Lord also began with the trumpeters and with the instruments of David, king of Israel. So all the assembly worshipped, singers sang, trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And it goes on and it talks about how he continued to restore the temple and temple worship. 
That was what Hezekiah was doing. Now, the attack, everybody say the attack, or the disaster happened after all of this had been done. So the people were prepared. Everybody say prepared. Why were they prepared? Because they had been sanctified. They had carried out the rubbish, not just in the temple, but in their own lives. They had made a decision. I'm not going to do any of those things that hinder me from seeing God be who God's going to be. And, and in the world we live in today, um, I believe God is going to do great things. I, I've said all through this series, God told me this is going to be the church's finest hour. But I want to tell you, preparation is critical. Preparation is critical to being in a position when disaster comes to be able to do something about it. And we have a spiritual disaster in the world. God is, is according to people's desires, uh, wanted to be removed from everything. Let's, let's change everything. And I'm going to show you today. I don't have a lot of time. I've got to go really fast. But listen to this. This is the last verse. Hezekiah, verse 36 said, Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people. Everybody say, prepared the people. See, when he said that, I thought, well, Lord, what was he preparing them for? Well, if you read on, he was preparing them for what was going to come. Now, he, he, and listen to this. Since the events, everybody say events took place so so what so what yeah because when suddenly comes everybody better be prepared that's not the time to say oh gosh what should we do let me find my bible that's not a good sentence let me find my bible that's not a good one We should be in a place where the word of God is in us. Now, we all need, you know, I carry my Bible. I carry my phone. I looked up all the scriptures on suddenly. Suddenly is everywhere in the word of God. I I love that app on my phone because you can, it's it's like a concordance. But I just looked up suddenly, 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 suddenly. Do you know when Paul was on the road to Damascus, it says suddenly a light shone. I mean, when God shows up, it can be suddenly. You know, when disaster comes, the word of God says, when the enemy comes, when sin comes, there's more power and grace than there is in sin. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it says in Romans chapter five, that the, the, the sin is conquered by the grace. Well, people of God operate in grace. That doesn't mean we do a lot. It means we believe a lot. It means we walk with a knowledge of the truth of who God is. And so when disaster or anything comes, we are prepared to handle that situation. So when I saw this and then I read, you know, it isn't this isn't in any of the other places where it talks about Hezekiah and the battle he faced just in Second Chronicles. But rebuilding the temple was what gave him the victory when it came time to face his enemies. And that's what's going to give us the victory is when we make sure our temple is okay. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, if you'll put that scripture up for me, Sandy, it talks about that we are the temple. Uh, in, in 1 Peter 2.9, it says that we are the priest. We are a holy nation of priests. We are the priesthood. And so God is calling on the church to become who they're supposed to be so that when these disasters happen, we can be the people who rise up in those situations and can be what God called us to be. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Verse 17 says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You know, the enemy is just waiting for a place 
to take us out. Pardon me? 1 Corinthians 3.17. Now, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20. My husband's such a Bible scholar down here. He's ahead of me. Hallelujah. Go to 1 Corinthians 6 so Pastor Bill can see the one he likes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But he who is joined to the Lord is one. Is one what? Is one what? Is one what? It's not about the flesh. One spirit. You've got that? Okay. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee sexual immorality. Do you see that? Everybody say that. Flee Flee. sexual Sexual. immorality. We are in trouble. And we are in trouble because of this. Every sin that a man does outside the body, but he who is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. On we go. 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own Last scripture, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Go back to 16 or 17. This is where the issue is with the world. Sexual immorality. I'm sorry, 18. I'm sorry, Sandy. See, sexual immorality has to do with abortion. I'm just telling you now, this is true. It has to do with abortion because that's people having sex outside of marriage and that is sexual immorality. Do you know the word we're all talking about right now? Not us, but the world is sexual orientation. That has to do with sexual immorality. And then marriage between a man and a woman, between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. Everybody say sexual immorality. Cannot be. That's why, you know, you, no sin, sin is sin. The wages of sin are death. But the consequences of sexual sin are far greater in consequences than just, you know, I smoked a cigarette today. I'm not freeing all of you from smoking, by the way, because I used to be a smoker, so I'm not throwing stones. You know, I kept one lit just in case God said, put it, stop. So I kept one lit just so I could finish it before I had to quit. So I'm not, I'm not throwing stones today. I'm saying that we have to be alert. We have to be prepared. We are not fighting Muslims. Muslims are bound by evil, and they don't even know it. We need to be praying for Muslims. We need to be praying for people to be delivered from strongholds and bondages. But we need to pray that this is stopped. Sexual immorality. And see, we've made it easy for young people to yoke up with other people. And we, they don't even know they're making a covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now I've gone to preach and I don't think I can get done today. I may have to come back next week. <laughs> I was going to be done today, but I'm trying. Okay, so everybody say sexual immorality. Now, now you don't need to go around to work tomorrow and say sexual immorality, sexual immorality, sexual immorality. Don't do that. But... You need to know who your enemy is. And your enemy is a devil who understands that sexual immorality separates people from the power of God. They will never be free. They will never be free. That is a very sad thing for a bunch of people, young people over there at Purdue University. 
who the devil tricks all the time. I'm just going to see if I can really live with this person and then I'll marry him. How many of you know if you did that, we'd all have singles in here today? (laughs) When you marry somebody, it's a commitment. It's a covenant. It says, I'm going to stay with you and I'm going to love you if I have to do it through the love of God and no other way. But I am committed. That's how God is. But sexual immorality is a bondage that now we have hundreds and thousands of young people coming up that are going to lead the nations. And they think this is fine. And they don't even know they've been separated from God. And they have no way unless they repent to get back in covenant and walk with God the way they need to. This is a sad thing, a very scary thing. And, you know, we can, we can complain and we can fight and we can speak and we can bind and we can loose when we see what's going on in government and we see what's going on in governments of the world. But our fight is a spiritual disaster. And we have to bring the relief of the Holy Spirit, which is to say God will set you free. Not I can't talk about this because the law says that we can't talk about it. See, we can't do that because we are the only ones who know truth. And these people are on a slippery slope right into hell, right into hell. And the devil is laughing all the way because the church is fighting over what color carpet to put in a new building. You know, really? Or I, you know, I don't really like sister Sally. You know, she just, I tell you, if she ever gets it right, it's going to be a miracle. Well, that's what we're all about. So if it takes Sister Sally till Jesus comes, we just keep believing for a miracle. Hallelujah. I don't know. (laughs) What are you going to do? You cannot get people to do the right thing. God said, I will put my laws in their heart and they'll be my people. But they're not going to be his people if they make those other choices. Because the devil, it's not because they didn't even want to leave God. They just got snatched. Now, God's still trying to hold on to him because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But if you don't know what's wrong with you, you won't get free. And if you can't say this is wrong with me, then you'll never get free. There's nothing wrong with saying, I, I need help in this area. <laughs> because that brings the power of God to make a difference. Okay, so we are the people of God. And it says in Hebrews 27 that things are going to shake. Everybody say, uh, not Hebrews 27, Hebrews 12, 27, that things are going to shake. Everybody say, it's going to shake. A whole lot of shaking going to go on. But we may be involved in, you know, the, the shock of a disaster, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, an earthquake, you know, it says Paul and Silas, they were in jail and, uh, and they were beaten and, and they didn't know what to do. But then it says, and suddenly there was an earthquake. Now that earthquake would have looked like disaster to the world, but for God, it opened the prison doors. And Paul got out and Silas and then the jailer and his whole house got saved. Everybody say that earthquake produced good (laughs) 
Now, we, we got to start looking with the eyes of God and not the eyes of just what everybody else is saying in the newspaper. We are God's people. We see differently. And it says in 27, now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, that's what God provides for us. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with fear, with, with reverence and godly fear, which is just reverence, respect. For our God is a consuming fire. Everybody say suddenly. suddenly. I believe suddenly anything could happen. But when it happens, we need to know where we're going. We need to know who we are. And we need to ask God, what are we doing? What are we going to do? Who are we going to be in this situation? Now, we, every day in, in just the way the world we live in because of the Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, we're fighting a spiritual battle. You may not like to fight spiritual battles, but we fight spiritual battles every day. But we do it knowing that we have the victory. Did you hear out of worship today? We have the Victory. He has overcome. Jesus said, I have overcome. I have overcome. So be of good cheer. That You know, he didn't say, but in 2015, you're not going to be able to do this. Because it's going to get so bad that you're not going to be able to do this. Because, you know, that's a different year. No, his word is true for all times. So no matter what we face, we are going to overcome. We are going to overcome. He went right on after chapter 16 of John in chapter 17 and said, these are my disciples that you've given me and I've watched after them. That's what he told God. Basically, I took care of them. Only lost one, which was Judas. But he said, Lord, I pray that you take care of them because they're in the world, but they're not of the world. What does that mean? We are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We may be shocked. We may have that reaction of, oh, what are we going to do? But we are not shaken. And when you're not shaken, you can be at peace. Everybody say peace. And that's the original word God gave me. Now, I believe that the, the, most of the rubbish is between your ears. Just going to finish with this. Because people do what they meditate. First a thought, then an action. And so if you don't know what you think, don't ask somebody else. Don't look at the newspaper. I get so, I mean, I get very uh, irate, and I don't get irate very often. But when I watch somebody speak, like the president, and then I have news commentators come on to tell me what he said, I think, would you stop acting like I'm an idiot? I heard him myself. I can figure this out. Don't tell me what he said. I know what he said. The world is counting on people to think for them because they don't want to bother to think for themselves. And, and in some cases, that'd be really good for some people, but they're hearing wrong information. It says, I want to read to you. This, this was in Joyce Myers in my, my Trust God when I was preparing this message. Set your mind. Everybody say, set your mind. Uh, it says, set your affections in the King James, Colossians 3.2. And this, I was going to get concrete today, but I couldn't find Andy. I, I messed up. I didn't get a hold of Andy in time. But I was going to get, I was going to have him get me some concrete. Wet concrete can be moved with ease. 
and is very impressionable before it dries or sets. Everybody say sets. But once you set it, it is in place for good. God wants us to get our minds in place for good. The Bible says you renew your mind by the word of God. In Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing the word of God. We are the people of God. We have an assignment. It's getting darker. We are getting brighter. Hallelujah. If we're living out of our heart and not out of our head in the natural. God is going to use your mind. We do not want you witless or mindless in this church. God is not creating robots. He's not creating puppets. We are to use our mind. But our mind is to be controlled by our spirit. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for everybody that's here today. And I thank you, Lord, that you are doing something. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I trust you. And I thank you. In the beginning of this message, um, when I was in the Philippines, they had this thing they wore around their neck, the staff of this church who who were in 40 hours of preparation for these natural disasters. And when I saw it, God spoke to me. And uh, she said, yeah, the whistle is to get everybody's attention in a disaster, you know, blow the whistle. And God said to me, the church is the whistle. They have the voice. Everybody say the voice. We have the voice. It's our voice. It's our voice speaking up over the enemy, over what he's saying, everywhere. Maybe it's vocally in a, in a situation, or maybe it's in prayer, but our voice has power. See, this whistle is not very good. i got to get a better one for the church. Or I'm not blowing it right. But anyway, you get the idea? Okay, the compass... She said, there's a compass. That's so we'll know which way we're going because sometimes in a disaster, you can't tell. How many of you have had things happen and you don't know which way you're going? But there's a compass in you. It's called the Holy Ghost. And he knows exactly which way you're supposed to go. This is your your disaster relief weapons. And the last is the light. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am the light. Jesus said, say that. I am the light of the world he said he was the light of the world but then he said you will be the light of the world amen father in jesus name i thank you today that we are the light of the world now some of you know and and i heard kelly touch on this but torment in the mind all torment is based in fear the opposite of faith is fear so today i want everybody to take a hold of your head And and we're going to make a confession. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, my thoughts don't line up with the things that God is saying. And and, and we're going to pray today that God will relieve your, your mind of rubbish. Everybody say rubbish. And rubbish, it says in, in the dictionary, is things that are unnecessary, unwanted, have no effect on anything that's going on, have really no worth to them. They're, they're garbage, basically. They're, they're trash. They're rubbish. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray today for the minds of the people who are in this room, the minds that would be listening to this online, that they would hear the word of God. They would hear the word of God over that rubbish because right now, in the name of Jesus, 
I take authority over rubbish in the name of Jesus. I want all of you to say this. Lord, today I ask you to clean the rubbish out of my mind. Unnecessary thoughts, unpredictable thoughts, lies, things I'm I'm concerned about, things I worry about. I ask you to show me that I might say, I give those up. I get rid of all rubbish, things that hinder me from fulfilling the destiny that you have given me. I let it go. I trust you to take care of those I love. I give them to you. I trust you to take care of my future. I leave it with you. I trust you to heal my body. I give it to you. I give everything to you that stops me from being alert, ready, prepared for what you have each day in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I thank you today for every person here. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you can do that, and and, and I want you to do that, but this is the key. Without Christ, you cannot win over the enemy's thoughts. He will continue to bombard you until he gets your attention. And if that's you today, you're here and you've never received Jesus. This is the day to make the choice to say, I put Jesus first. I have made a decision. My life is going to glorify God. And so I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. The way you know that is if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Would you wake up in heaven? Would you live in heaven? Or would you live in hell without Christ the Bible says you will spend eternity in hell that is not a place that was designed for people it was designed for the devil and if that's you today and you want to make today the day of salvation for your life then I want you to lift your hand I'm going to pray for you before we go if that's you anybody here today thank you Jesus well Lord I thank you that today we all based on the response we know you we know where we're going eternally so i thank you today lord that you've prepared us to go from this place and take care of business the business of the lord the bible says if we take care of your business you'll take care of our business so we thank you lord today we rejoice in the fact that we're saved and delivered and healed lord i pray over this congregation i pray the blessings of god I thank you, Lord, that their mind is is settled and stayed upon the things and the truth of the word. I thank you that they're prosperous people. The Bible says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health. I declare that over this congregation in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, they are protected by a holy edge of protection. And the blood of Jesus covers their household. And the devil cannot steal from them. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. And they will rise up and be mighty in the earth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, go and be blessed. God loves you.